Greetings and welcome to the first episode of the Five Moments of Need series, Performance Matters. I'm your host, Bob Mosier. Are you trying to learn more about the five moments of need? Maybe how to design for them, implement for them, measure them, and even sell them as an approach. Well, in the Performance Matters series, we will help you better understand the theory and best practices behind this powerful methodology and offer practical ways to put the five moments of need into practice. So friends, let's get into this and discuss hopefully why this might be a series worth following. So where did this channel come from? Where was the idea? Well, actually it came from a request out of what is known as the Performance Support Online Community, who was asking for more ways to share information around successfully working with or addressing the five moments of need. Now, the Performance Support Community is an online free community made up of well over 4,500 members worldwide. We have blogs, wikis, monthly webinars, all of which are recorded and kept up there. If you're interested in joining that community, you can reach out to us via the information that we'll provide at the end of this episode. Now, also, believe it or not, we're not going to actually share the five moments themselves this particular time. We're going to be saving that for our next episode when we'll bring in one of our other hosts, Dr. Conrad Gopherson, who is actually the pioneer of the five moments of need, and it has been his life work. So we really don't think it's fair to cover that without that gentleman involved, and uh, you'll get so much out of that in our next episode. So for now, we want to talk to you a bit about why we think you should care. I mean, why would you want to invest your time and effort in understanding, learning, applying the five moments of need? We really think that there are three reasons why you should care, or frankly, three reasons why we care in our work when we address the five moments. First of all, (laughs) Have you ever heard these words uttered if you're a learning professional? Someone walks in your office and says, I need five days of training on. And then they follow it by words like leadership, CRM, sales training, product training. Have you ever gotten those words before? Or I need three units or three e-learnings on blah, 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 blah. If you're like myself and have been at this as long as I have, we've heard that hundreds of times. And friends, that makes no sense. It makes no sense. The classroom and training assets are never going to be enough. The danger of that quote, friends, and fighting upstream against that is that we have in the end overburdened the classroom and training assets. Where where does that demand come from? Well, here's the irony. It comes from us because we have done such a stunning job for countless years in the world of training. In many of the organizations and the customers we support, we have taught them, friends, that that is what we do. As a dear friend of mine once said, why would someone come to you and buy red pants if all they know you for are blue shirts, right? So reason number one to better understand the five moments is we've got to get out of the training business. We have been overburdened by it. We've had to live up to unrealistic expectations, and it's only fair that we figure out how to unteach, we're in this business, right? Those that we serve, that we are not training only. We desperately need to change that perception. The classroom is a stunning place, as is e-learning, for knowledge transfer. But friends, it is not a performance enabler. It just really isn't. Performance is enabled in what we'll call, in the future episodes, and frankly throughout this series, the workflow. We're really going to pound and help you understand the importance of how to design for what we'll call the workflow. And and candidly, this was a journey for me too. I've been at this for 35 plus years and I entered it with a very 
very much training mindset. But in my last 10 years of my professional life, I have worked very hard to shift my focus in the work I do from one of training to one of performance and more importantly, help those who I serve to see that difference and ask of me a different product. Part one. Part two, (laughs) blended learning. Have you ever heard of those words? Have you tried it before? I was asked to do that in one of my prior jobs. In fact, I oversaw a blended learning effort and candidly, it didn't do well. Here's the problem, friends, and this is an issue I think I've had with it for years, is that if you look at most blended learning programs, we don't have blended learning programs. We have what we would call blended training programs. And that's the importance of understanding and why it's so important to understand the five moments of need. Blended training is doing this, taking a five-day course, making it two or three, surrounding it by some pre-work, some post-work, some e-learning, maybe some coaching. But in the end, friends, that is an economic model. And it's a brilliant one. I'm not knocking the fact that we can make five-day courses two or three days long. The issue is to call that blended learning is unfair to the assets, unfair to the effort, and more importantly, it's unfair to the learners because from their perspective, it is not. It is blended training. We're taking training assets and skillfully rearranging them to be sometimes more efficient, often more economical, but we have not truly journeyed into the world of blended learning until we grasp the five moments. The last reason is, I think, the biggest, honestly. And I think it's one that we have to fess up to as an industry. Because I think there has been an elephant in the room for years in the L&D industry. And that is that training alone, of any form, virtual, e-learning, classroom, is not enough to help a learner perform throughout the lifetime of their learning. It's just, it's just not enough. It it does a great job at what it does. And in future episodes, we'll talk about something called train, transfer, sustain, which is the true learning journey of any performer, any learner. But candidly, training only addresses the first of those stages. So let me do a quick vote with you, a quick story. For the last three or so years, I do conferences and speak across the globe, frankly. And I've had a slide in almost every presentation I've done. This has always been for learning professionals, be them trainers, instructional designers, Um, chief learning officers, senior managers, you name it, Um, I've spoken for these teams, both internal to corporate and standalone private training centers. I always start with a slide, and the slide basically asks this question, and all of you on here, after I give you this question in this little survey, you might want to stop this recording and take the survey yourself and, and answer this honestly. I would like you, from the list I'm about to give you, to select the top two most effective approaches you have used as a learner to learn, remember, and apply the greatest performance challenges in your life. Again, select the top two that have been most effective for you to learn, remember, and apply the greatest performance challenges in your life. And here's your choices. Number one, the virtual classroom. Number two, e-learning. Three, coaching. Four, on-the-job training. Five, instructor-led or classroom. Six, trial and error in the workflow. Seven, mobile learning. Eight, mentoring. And of course, this is not a complete list. Nine would be something else I've not mentioned. So again, I'll say them again real quickly. Number one, virtual classroom. Two, e-learning. Three, coaching. Four, on the job. Five, instructor-led. Six, trial and error. Seven, mobile learning. Eight, mentoring. And of course, nine, another. So take a second. You might want to stop the recording and vote on your favorite two.
So friends, here's the irony of this thing. You know, I've done this for thousands of us across the globe. In every sector, every language, every culture, every vertical, every kind of instruction, higher ed, corporate, you can think of. And here's the scary part of the results. Almost unanimously, number one is trial and error in the workflow. We have learned through failure. Two, on the job training. Kind of rolling our sleeves up in the context of work and on the job training. Tied for third is often between coaching and mentoring, which are two separate things in the list, but we get someone to help us. <laughs> That's kind of it. That's typically where the vote ends. Honestly, very few, here's the scary part, very few have ever voted for instructor-led classroom, e-learning, or virtual training. That's what we do. Those are the tools of our trade. Those are what many of those who we help know us as in training. Remember, I walk in my office. I would like five days of training, and typically it's virtual e-learning or classroom on blah, blah, blah. Friends, people know us for tools we ourselves admit don't help us as learners learn, remember, and apply. So where am I going with this? It's not to knock classrooms e-learning or virtual instruction. I, please understand, and you'll hear this throughout the series, I am not anti, nor are we, anti any of those things. Our point is we are using, as the tip of our sword, as the number one tools in our toolkit, tools that everyone, ourselves included, admit are not the best ways to ultimately learn enough to apply and perform they're super for maybe learning. They're super for maybe knowledge gain, maybe compliance training. But I challenge you with some words there. Apply and perform. We never pick the tools that our industry has historically used. So friends, the five moments of need will help you broaden that. My problem with it is in my, and I, and I have an advanced degree in education through a master's degree in the States, never through my learnings was I taught how to design for those tools. Trial and error on the job, coaching. I was not taught those. I was taught how to make training assets. The five moments of need, if you hang with us throughout the series, will teach you how to broaden your tool set to still build training. It is still a part of the toolkit. In fact, you will build training better than you ever have before. But you will also add an invaluable asset to your toolkit. In fact, it is what you will build first. And that is the assets to apply and perform with. And we will give you and talk about the tools and ways to do that. So we hope we've given you some reasons to care. Let me end with another quick story and then we'll kind of wrap this up for our first one. Friends, this is known as the infamous minnow story. And basically where it comes from is back in my early days when I was in undergraduate here in the States, university. Um, I was studying to be what we call a elementary school teacher, so I was steeped in learning theory at the time, and I also worked in the summer at a summer camp, and I taught swimming. Actually, I should say this one summer, one particular period in the summer, I was asked to help with swimming. Sounds harmless enough, right? Sounds great. And so here I am in the pool, and on the first day of instruction to teach what we call minnows. Now, minnows, friends who don't know, in the, in the YMCA at the time, a school of swimming meant uh, small kids. Minnows are small fish, right? So a minnow is a child, typically five, six, seven years old, who does not know how to swim. It's the first entree to that skill. 
every minnow wants to be a guppy or a shark someday so they can swim in the deep end right? And in my mind, friends, I've got lesson plans. I've got modeling. I've got all the things that I've been taught as an instructor. And next to me is this seasoned swim instructor who does not have my advanced degree in education. It's not what he's majoring in. He reaches out right away, grabs one of the children and pulls them into the water, just yanks them right off the gutter. That child immediately begins to thrash around like he's drowning. And I'm looking on at this going, what's going on? And my gifted instructor, fellow instructor, has his arms under this little guy going, come on, Johnny, you're doing great. And he's spinning water and flailing his arms and he's kind of guiding him over and he eventually throws his arms up on the gutter, spitting water out and coughing. And my Kelly's going, oh, great job. You did great. Every minnow at the pool is now nowhere near the gutter. They're terrified away from the fence. And I look at this dear friend and I go, what the heck was that? You guys, in my mind, that was not how we were going to teach swimming. And my friend looks at me and goes, Bob, we only have a week. I look at him like, what? He goes, what do you think our job is here? Is it to teach swimming so that they get the guppy card? Or is it we help these minnows to never drown? Friends, I want to challenge you with that as we end this series. What is our job as learning professionals? Sure, we teach some swimming, but... In the reality of people having to survive in the deep end, do we teach swimming? Like I had planned all these lesson plans in my mind, but the last thing I was thinking about was these children not drowning, surviving in the water. That is the profession we are in, friends, as learning professionals. And the five moments of need helps us teach swimming, but at the same time, focus on not drowning in the workflow. Well, that's it for this episode of the Five Moments of Need Performance Matters series. We look forward to future conversations around how to best put the five moments of need into practice. We welcome your feedback and can be reached on Twitter using my Twitter handle at BMOSH, as well as our Five Moments of Need website, which is www.5momentsofneed.com. We hope you're finding these helpful and will subscribe to future episodes. Have a great day, friends.